0: Once again, we'll sing hymn number 164.
1: Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer.
2: see you.
3: mountains turn to ashes, if the mighty rivers should run dry, should sun and moon grow dim, I still will trust in him. He's watching from above. I'm resting Oh
1: stand once again we'll sing hymn number 97 i need thee every hour hymn number 97 standing as we
4: the anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I have fallen on my
2: knees
4: as I fail. By of the storm. Like they were only grains of sand, the anchor holds, though the ship is battered. As I face the raging seas, the anchor holds, in spite of the storm. But it was in the night, through the storms of my life, that's where God proved His
2: love.
0: Thank you so much. You never know about your faith till it's tested. And it's good to know that it'll stand the test. Amen? Yeah. So, um, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10.
5: So I had something rather uh, funny happen to me, and um, Friday, my wife and I went to Fort Scott, Kansas, and did a Valentine's banquet, and um, Brother Paul Rooks is pastor down there, I've been friends with him for years, and um, so he called, asked if we'd come down, and then he calls me the morning up, and he's like, uh, hey, Brother Kevin, he goes, um, you know, um, we're just, we're in the country. We do things different. We're not really calling this a Valentine's banquet. We're calling it a Valentine's dinner. And uh, it's not just going to be couples. We've got people who have lost their spouses. I'm, I'm good with all that. Because, as a matter of fact, we're going to have kids there. I'm like, great. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. That would be great. And so we get down there. And uh, we're, they, they have a gymnasium. Oh, man, I wish we had a gymnasium. It's so awesome. They had gymnasium and uh, so people are kind of milling around i'm trying to get settled in and so i grab my ipad um, and on my ipad i keep my notes okay this isn't the bible it's my notes okay so if you see me walking around it's just like if i had paper notes in my hand and the great thing about having an ipad is i've got like by now probably 500 messages on here and so i go someplace to preach i, I used to l- lug these big boxes of notebooks with me everywhere I'd go. And uh, now I just carry my iPad, so it's really cool. So I thought, okay, so the way I was going to preach, I had this sterling illustration I was going to start with, and then I was going to go from there. I was going to close that on my uh, iPad here, and I would open my sermon. The only thing is I saw that it was lagging because they didn't have Wi-Fi, so I had to join it to my phone, and that made me a little angst, you know, and so anyhow, it's finally my turn. I get up, go through my illustration. It goes great. Everybody's laughing. They're relaxed. I'm like, this is, this is it. Just hit the ball out of the park. It's going to be all right. And then, so I close my app. Everybody's still laughing. I, I hit it, and I look down, and I go, that's not my sermon. I'm telling you, that's the loneliest feeling <laughs> In the world. Like, that's not my sermon. And it's got it's got like seven little messages, seven little messages, seven little messages, seven little messages. So I can look at these icons. And by the time I make it through the first 14, I'm like, oh, this is really lagging. People are starting to pay attention. I'm just gonna have to preach the first one. Boom. I hit it and pull it up and I read the text. It's a Valentine's message, but it's not the one I'd planned on preaching. It's a Valentine's message, and lo and behold, it's a couple's Valentine's message. Now, I believe in honoring what the pastor says. The pastor said, look, there will be some couples, but it's not just that. So I'm like, I'm going to honor this Lord, but you're going to have to help me. And uh, anyhow, we made it through I'm thankful for the gift of gab and being able to think on my feet, but I got my message today, okay, this is, this is the one, okay, so if it seems disjointed, it's just my thought process, but this is it. But I thought I'd just let you laugh a little bit to know that, you know, it's, it's not always perfect, but God's always in charge, and so we just trust Him, Amen. All right, Luke chapter 10, if you found that you can, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'd like to invite your attention to verse number 25, as I read, you can follow. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And the answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. I just stop there for just a minute and say: the only way to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself is by having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You cannot do that on your own. There's just no way you can do that on your own. You have to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit lives and works inside of you and helps you to be able to fulfill all that is required there. Verse 28. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, which when he was at the place, came and looked upon him and passed by on the other side. when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, Him, or, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together today. We're thankful that when life is rough and hard and difficult that you're there that we can rely upon you, that you will help us through those difficult times as we hold on to you and seek your leading, your guiding in our hearts. Lord, we pray that as we think upon this message today, that our hearts would be turned towards you and that the Holy Spirit would have power and freedom to move up and down in our midst today, that your will might be accomplished in each one of our lives. And in a crowd this size, it would not be surprising at all to Maybe think that there's maybe a few that have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior. And if they were to die right now, they don't know that heaven would be their eternal home. Lord, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would just work in their hearts and convict them of their sin. They might want to know how they can know you as their Lord and Savior. And then, Lord, for Christians today. Christians are just saved sinners. And we fail so much. And we fail so often. And Lord, we need you. We need you in our lives, and our hearts. We need you to teach us how to live our lives here in this imperfect world, that our, our imperfectness might be set aside, that we might allow you to live through us. And Lord, that we might be able to affect the world around us for the cause of Christ. Lord, meet with us today. Might you be honored and glorified. And all this said and done, we bring praise and glory to your most precious name, we ask these things in your wonderful, most precious name, and all the people said, men, you may be seated. So today we're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan. I remember hearing this story as a, as a child. We had a, a Bible uh, nighttime storybook, and it was one of the stories in that nighttime storybook, and My mom, every night before we would go to bed, she would come into the room where my younger brother and I had to share a room. Some of you kids don't know what sharing is. but We knew what sharing was because we not only shared the room, we shared the bed. Amen? I never got so many whippings in my whole life because of my brother. What's going on in there? Well, he's on my side of the bed. Those of you who experience that, you know what we're talking about. And uh, so in that book was the story of the Good Samaritan. So when I come across some of these stories, it's like, oh, yeah, I know this story. I, I, I can just, I can ad lib it. I can just tell you about it. But I realized that also that that was at a young age. And so it's so important that we stop and come back. And I like to dissect and take apart and then put it back together. So that's kind of what we're going to do here. You know, for the last four weeks, we've been dealing with Luke chapter 10 and verse number 27 itself. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all thy heart, we are to love him. And with all of our soul and with all of our strength, we are to love him. And then last week, we preached about the thought, and thy neighbor as thyself. Then we come just a little bit further in our scripture, and we find that uh, this, this lawyer who had presented all of this, this, This man who was either a Sadducee or a Pharisee, uh, who thought so highly of themselves, wanted to justify himself in the sight of Jesus. He wanted to make himself look good. He wanted Jesus to go, oh, wow, you're really somebody. I'm glad to be in your presence. And so to justify himself, the scripture tells us that he asks this question, so who is my neighbor? And I submitted to you last week, I still submit to you today, that if he had applied all that was in verse number 27, loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, that that wouldn't be a question. Because he'd recognize that whoever he met is his neighbor and he needs to share Jesus with them. And so we have Jesus then coming back with this illustration of the good Samaritan. As I read in preparation Uh, To preach today, I read off after one of the scholars, one of the books that I have in my office. His name is Godet. This man lived in 1812, so he was back there, okay. And he writes this about this portion of scripture. He says the fathers, referring to the the people older than him, back probably back in the 1700s or the 1600s. The fathers have dwelt with pleasure on the allegory interpretation of this parable. The wounded man representing humanity, the bygrins, the devil, the priest and the levite, the law and the prophets, the samaritan is Jesus himself. The oil and the wine divine grace and the ass the body of Christ, the inn, the church, Jerusalem, paradise, the expected return of the samaritan, the final advent. Of Christ. Now, sounds good, and I'd probably preach that to you today, but I just read it to you, so I don't want to give you everything at once. But I think there's so much more to be applied. I don't think all the Bible necessarily has an allegorical picture for us to apply, and so I want us to just take this at, at face value today and discover what we find here. My first point, and I'll be honest with you, this was hard for me to outline because my mind was going several different directions. I had a hard time pulling it in. But my first point today is those involved. Those involved. We find that the thieves were involved. Okay? These are the men who robbed him. There was a certain man, a certain priest, a Levite, a certain Samaritan, and then the host at the end. I love the way that we're told there's a certain man, a certain priest, a Levite, and a certain Samaritan. That means that these individuals were were important to God because he called them out as a certain priest, a certain Samaritan, and a certain man. So let's think about their roles and how they were involved. The first is the thieves. These men were mean and wicked men. They were too lazy to work. They found their needs met off the backs of hardworking people by taking by force and injury all that they could and all that they wanted. I don't know about you, but I have very little use for thieves. I work hard for the few things that I have, and I don't really want someone coming and taking. I'd rather they go get a job too. Amen? I think I'm in the right crowd to get the amens on that. If not, you haven't ever had a thief come to your house. We did. We were on vacation one time. Had someone come into our house, kick the back door in, walk out, TV, VCR... Um, they took my leather jacket. They took uh, some firearms that were in the house. And they took my wife's wedding rings because she was with child and her fingers were swollen. Her wedding rings were there in the box. And uh, then they, they also took some savings bonds that our kids had been given as Christmas gifts. And uh, it was really funny. At Christmas that year, someone mailed back the savings bonds to us. I'm like, oh, what nice people. I'd already gone through all the work to get them replaced, so I didn't, anyhow. Thieves. Then there was a certain man. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. We know nothing of this man other than that he was on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, which, by the way, is a downward movement, about 20 miles, about Three to 4,000 feet in altitude over those 20 miles. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was infamous for crime and robbery. It wasn't surprising to Jesus' listeners that he set the story on this particular road. More than likely, this man was a Jew. His travels brought him into contact with these thieves. And so, you know, that makes it even worse. He's on the road. Uh, He's carrying the things that he needs at the time, and here he comes into contact with these thieves. And uh, this road was infamous for these lurking dangers, especially robbers. He hadn't brought his concealed carry. He hadn't watched enough Bruce Lee movies, so he was targeted. Some of you will get that humor. Some of you will not. Sorry. As they robbed him, they not only robbed him, but the worst things happened. They stripped him of his raiment, so they basically made him naked. They wounded him, beat him, kicked him, whatever they could do to him, and they left him half dead. Barclay writes of this portion of Scripture, he was an obviously reckless and foolhardy character. People seldom attempted to. The Jerusalem to Jericho road alone, if they were carrying goods or valuables, they always sought safety in numbers. They traveled in convoys or caravans. This man had no one but himself to blame for the plight in which he found himself. So this sets the stage for our three responses to this man's need. Two of them, a certain priest and a Levite. Now, the scripture, by now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. The priest and the Levite, both are categories of religious of, officials. Uh, the priest has responsibility to go and to preach in the town, close at hand, Jerusalem. And after he is there a set amount of time, then he can come back. Uh, by the way, the, the priests are of the Levitical line. And so... Uh, not all Levites were priests, but the priests were definitely Levites, okay? And so uh, here comes this priest. Here's a man who has learned in Scripture, who is coming back from doing his duty, uh, and, and so he's coming back from having served. If anyone should have a heart of tenderness or compassion, surely would be him. He spent all this time with God, close to God, Uh, and inciting others in their love for God and all the things that were involved in his service for God. And yet when he comes, he passes by on the other side. Here's this bruised, naked, bleeding man left for half dead. The priest looks at him, quickly passes by to the other side. One theologian wrote, The priest and the Levite are mentioned here partly because they were the most frequent travelers on this road and partly to show that these were the persons who for the nature of their office were most obliged to perform works of mercy and from whom a person in distress had a right to expect immediate, immediate succor or comfort and their inhuman conduct here was a flat breach of the law.
0: Time out right here
5: doesn't matter how much Bible you know if you don't use it. It doesn't ha- matter how much you claim to love Jesus. doesn't matter how much you, you say that you care about others. If you won't do it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. You stand up and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, but then you walk out and you see someone in need and you walk right on by with no care, no concern, then you don't really love Jesus like you claim you love Jesus. So maybe as we sing our songs, we ought to evaluate ourselves. Just how much do I love Jesus? Will I allow it to change my day? Will I allow it to change my pocketbook? Will I allow it to change being a help to someone around me? How much do I really love him? Think of all the excuses that these, these guys had, okay? Um, one excuse. This road is too dangerous for me to stop and help that man. He might be a decoy for an ambush. I've got to get to the temple and perform my service for the Lord. I've got to get home and see my family. Someone really should help that guy. That's, that's a good one. If I'm going to serve at the temple, I can't get my clothes bloody. I'm going to church. I can't stop and change a flat tire for somebody. I don't know first aid. They might have looked and said, it's a hopeless cause. I'm not the only person, and the job's just too big. I can pray for him, but I need to go. He brought it upon himself. He should have never been on this dangerous road by himself. He didn't ask me for help. But of all these simple excuses, Spurgeon said, I never knew a man refused to help the poor who failed to give at least one admirable excuse. Pretty good. So a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where this man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He didn't just see a a broken body. He didn't see just someone who was naked and bruised and bleeding and hurt, maybe unconscious, moaning and groaning maybe. As he comes to this portion, he sees a human being in need. And what does he do? He has compassion on him, and he stops. He immediately goes over to help he doesn't step back and go, I don't know. This is not my job. This is not my place. That's a Jew, and I'm not a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. These people hate me, and, and I hate them. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want anything to do with them. I, 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 I've got all my excuses. I'm just going on. But no, he's moved with great compassion as he sees the need of this man, and he goes to him, and he helps him. This newcomer, this... Samaritan is willing to put aside the difference of religion he's willing to put aside all the difference and the hatreds and all the atrocities that had ever been committed in the name of religion against his people he's willing to put all these things aside that he might help this one reminds me of when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman everyone stands amazed It's like it's better to die of thirst than to ask for a drink from a Samaritan. The Samaritan didn't care the lineage of this man. He didn't care about that. He cared about the outcome. He was moved with great compassion. Listen, Christian people, we
0: ought to have compassion. We ought to be moved to
5: help. We ought to be moved to love. Let it be moved with compassion in dealing with others. And here is this Samaritan, this one, untrained in the law, not fit to go into their synagogues and their temples. And here he is, the one with this great compassion.
0: So he went and he
5: bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. The wine, by the way, was a very alcoholic uh, very um, uh, antiseptic-type stuff that he had. And then the Scripture records for us, he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn. He took great care of him. He didn't look and say, oh, my goodness, this guy's bleeding. If I put him up on my donkey, he's going to get blood on my donkey. Uh-oh, let's bring that to 24. Oh, man, he's bleeding. I can't put him in my car. He's going to bleed on my seats, dude.
0: No, he's moved with compassion. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Years ago,
5: my wife was headed out 435, headed to Bonner Springs. There was a car that had been pulled over by
0: a Shawnee police officer. He was on a motorcycle.
5: A car coming down the road, going the same direction as the car and the police officer, probably gawked a little too long, hit the motorcycle, hit the police officer, killed him instantly, hit the car. My wife is such a compassionate person. She sees what's going on. She stops. He gets out, what can I do? What can I do? And this guy goes, the best thing you can do is get back in your van and take your kids so that they don't have to witness it. But what moved her to stop? Compassion. A tender heart. The fact that she loved Jesus, and it didn't matter who that guy was. He could have been a worst enemy at that time. What she knew is this is a person that needed help. This is a person that needed compassion. This is a person in great need. And so with the Samaritan, he goes to him, he bandages him up, he does all that he can to doctor him there uh, with his EMT skills. He puts him on his own donkey, and then he takes him to the inn, where undoubtedly, I believe, he had probably planned to spend the night anyhow. The Bible says that he cared for him through the night. And then the next morning when he got ready to leave, he takes some money out of his pocket and he gives it to the innkeeper and he says, if
0: he takes more, I'll pay it when I come back.
5: Wow. I mean, this man is moved with compassion in all areas of his life. He's not only moved with sight, he's moved with his hands, He's moved with the things that he has available to him at that time, the wine and the oil and the bandages, and he uses his donkey, and he transports him down to where he's going to spend the night. And can you imagine, after a traumatic event like that, that you're sharing a room with a guy that's been left for half dead? You know he moaned and groaned all night long. He could have easily have said, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to go on down the road. I'll just leave him right here. I don't want to have to listen to that. No, but his compassion caused him to stay with him all night and care for him. And then the next morning, as if he hasn't done enough, he goes the extra mile. Hey, I'm leaving today. Here's some money. Put it for the board. Put it for some food. If you'll watch out for him and whatever his need is, when I come back through, I'll care for it. Wow.
0: What a story. What a story.
5: I don't know. I I think maybe if we're not careful, we could live an entire lifetime and never witness a story as rich as this one right here.
0: And yet, it's our example. Mine and yours
5: mine and yours, if you really want to serve God, if you really want to love God, then this is what it looks like. It might cost you something. It might cost you to stop in the middle of whatever you're doing. It might cost you money. It might cost you time. It might cost you things that you have on hand. It might cost you something to live for God, but to recognize who your neighbor is is priceless. I can only imagine that Samaritan gets to heaven what his crown's going to look like. He gave the little that he had to help someone that he found in great need. He didn't stop and go through the religious thing. He didn't go through all that. I can only imagine as Jesus is telling this story and he begins to talk about this guy and he's robbed and here comes the Levite and the priest. I can only imagine that the crowd is probably hanging on and they're probably thinking, okay, so the next guy's going to be a Jew. A Samaritan?
0: Are you kidding me? A Samaritan? He is the one that comes and does all these things? I just challenge you. Have an open heart towards God.
5: Have a compassionate heart. If you can't find yourself compassionate, maybe you ought to find yourself to an altar. And say, God, give me compassion. You realize that I really believe we're living in the last days. I hear the amens, but I'm wondering, is it affecting our living? If we're really living in the last days, don't you think there ought to be an anxiousness about the way we live, about the way we conduct ourselves, about the things that we're involved in? Don't you think rather than kind of dumbing down our service for God, we ought to be maybe amping it up, firing it up, you know? Hey, nothing can keep me away from God. He's coming soon. I want to be ready. I want to be ready to go when he gets here. I want to have done all that I could before he gets here. But I'm afraid if there's because of the times, I know it because I've read the Scripture, because of the times we have people going, eh, I just don't know. Church is okay, but I'm really busy. I, I don't have... I don't have all that time to go listen to a guy just kind of yell and scream. And the music's really good, but, you know, I just kind of get tired of all that, you know, and listen to all that. I just don't have time because I'm living my life too.
0: I'm just living my life here
5: because Jesus has me here. Because I want to be up there. I've had the hurts of this place. I'm looking forward to that day I step on glory shore and be in his presence. Yeah, I'm going to leave some loved ones behind. That's okay. Because I'll see him again in heaven. But until I go there, I have a responsibility here. And I need to let my life shine for him who loved me and died for me. That heaven might be my eternal home. Who is your neighbor? Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your great love to us. I pray to God that your will be done in our lives and our hearts that you might be honored and glorified. Lord, that you would be lifted up and exalted. Thank you for the story of the Good Samaritan. Help us to apply it in our lives. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? We're going to sing I've decided to follow Jesus. If God's spoken to your heart, I'd encourage you to come. The altar's open. If you're here without Christ as your Savior, love to take a Bible. Show you from the Word of God how you can know that you're saved on your way to heaven. Would you come? I have
1: decided
5: to follow
1: Jesus.
5: you here a few things from the bulletin as we uh, dismiss uh baby shower gifts for baby miles are being collected today there's a a teepee right around the corner there uh don't climb in and play that's going to be for him to play in but uh, you can stick uh, baby gifts you brought those in there Uh, we'll be collecting them today this afternoon and wednesday um baby miles had rsv and you know just his preemie condition and so forth we just want to get him pretty healthy before he gets back to church, but we do want to acknowledge his birth. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, please go ahead and do so. A uh, Couples retreats coming up this weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. Information there. Uh, ladies meeting, February 22nd, 6 o'clock here at the church. Teen activity on the 23rd. They're going to go to Urban Air Trampoline Park. Uh, meet at church at 530. Costs $30 a teen. Uh, Missions Conference, February 28th through March 3rd, mark that down, plan to be with us, College today's Man Camp, those dates are here in the bulletin. I would ask that you would remember to pray for the Bushes, uh, and uh, Miss Glenda, they diagnosed her with cancer, uh, and they're going to be giving her chemo, and so if you pray for her and Marty. And then Mrs. Benson has a knee replacement uh, Wednesday the 14th, what a way to celebrate Valentine's Day. And uh, she's going to get a special gift that day uh, in her knee, and so pray for her, all right? Good to be in the Lord's house today, to have each one of you here with us. Let's close in order of prayer. Lord Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for your great love for us. What an awesome thing it is to be loved by God the Creator. To be loved and cared for and to be given eternal life, Lord, we thank you for that. I pray that as we possess eternal life, might we not just kind of hoard that up to ourselves. Might we willingly share that with the lost and dying world around us. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know that there's hope and forgiveness for their sins. That there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go from your house today being witnesses and testimonies of your goodness and your love. We love you and we ask all these things in your blessed and most holy name. All the people said... Man, God bless you.